Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of uthdynasty.com. You don't want to miss UTH Film Notes podcast every Monday morning of the regular season. Katie and I have already done a couple of 2021 mock drafts. Uh, that coverage is going to continue. You're going to start seeing player spotlight shows, 5, 10, 15 minutes on a single prospect of the 2021 class. Every once in a while it covers a Debbie player uh, because obviously you know, not everyone's going to declare in, uh, in January for the NFL draft. But uh, draft coverage is going to be in full. Uh, the UTH trade calculator is regularly updated. It actually already has a 2021 focus and forward focus there. And plus, uh, you're going to get the rookies in there. I mean, one of my, almost one of my own Christmas presents is right around the time the fantasy season ends, already get started, churn out about 40, 50, 60 guys out of the uh, NFL veteran population as meaningless dynasty assets. And we get the uh, first 1.0 launch into the 2021 rookie valuations into the uh, all of the valuation systems for UTH in full. Uh, so I love doing that. And, and again, just part of the the features you're going to get with a UTH General Manager Plus membership. And if you want to support the show uh, for just a few bucks a month, you can do that at patreon.com slash UTH. Tim and I do a weekly show talking waiver wire right now, but we're going to get into the off season a lot more macro topics, uh, trading, startup draft, and uh, again, have you covered on all fronts there instead of listening to five minutes, 10 minutes of ads on this show with Katie. And uh, Katie, we were just sharing uh, some some war stories between us about Josh Jacobs and and other uh, playoff scenarios from this past week. And I'll tell you, my I'll, I don't know how people do it. If you do this every week or many weeks, uh, pretty much the only time I do it is in the fantasy playoffs, where I'll have Monday Night Football on, and you know, kind of know in in the leagues that are still up in the air what I need, what I don't need, and. I'll tell you, and now maybe it was specific to this week. It seems like every year we have one or two Monday nights in the fantasy playoffs that end up being uh, just nutty shootout. I, I remember there was a game with the Saints uh, years ago that it just seemed like they kept scoring, kept scoring, and you might have these matchups that go back and forth. And I'll tell you, I had 10 matchups up in the air. I had three or four of them already kind of locked in after the first half or so with a win. And I lost a lot of the others because... Man, Lamar Jackson, could you have just stayed in the locker room for a little bit longer? That fourth down killed me, Katie. Um, I, I lost a Marquise Brown one. I was going up against him, and that touchdown boosted me out and won. And then Lamar Jackson, I, I don't know. I don't think it was that drive. I think it was the next one that got me uh, with, with some of the yardage he accrued there to, uh, to win the game, that, uh, that final field goal. Um, and then I know a lot of people, the bad beats of the, that final safety uh, was another a- avenue there. I mean, you get a, a high scoring game like that where 
you know, where's the defense? And then you get it in the last game of a, a playoff week in, in fantasy and dynasty. And uh, that's some, some drama right there. I don't know how people do it every week watching on Sundays as well with their teams. But uh, I'll tell you, I mean, I was, I was living and dying by, uh, by every touch with, with uh, some of these players. Yeah, that's funny because even during the playoffs, even though I'm aware of what is needed, I, I, I don't get that anxiety or, you know, sweat. In fact, I went to bed last night and I knew it was going to be close. I had one matchup that was going to come down to the wire. He had Kareem Hunt. I had J.K. Dobbins. Mm. And it was back and forth between the two of us. I think I fell asleep with most of the second half to go. And I woke up and he ended up winning by like five points or six points because Kareem Hunt ended up with almost 30 fantasy points and J.K. Dobbins at 14.6. So I'm out of that playoffs, but I earned, you know, semifinals and final spots in some. um, So what's your overall sentiment of, uh, again, we got two weeks to go and and frankly, it's, it's still to be decided. Is there a, a theme or a, a phrase or a reaction when if I ask you in January, Hey Katie, you know, what was, what was the 2020 dynasty season like for you? Whether it's one specific player, a team, or, you know, just something, a storyline that you remember, what's that kind of preemptive answer right now? Uh, that thank goodness I had Mike Davis stashed in so many leagues. <laughs> He's coming up uh, huge, right? I mean, we might not see McCaffrey again, right? I mean, yeah, there's, there's word that he's probably not going to play this week. I've got him in a couple of leagues and I'm fine because I've got Mike Davis in both of them. Even in the leagues where I don't have Chris McCaffrey, I've had Mike Davis and it's nice to have one extra week going into the semifinals. You know, if I can get something out of Mike Davis this week, who cares if I've got him in the finals, I'm in the money. Yeah. You know, he's been found money the whole time. So yeah, generally, I, I, this is the big week, I think, because a lot of the way uh, payouts are structured is, you know, you get to the finals and yes, you know, you're, I mean, again, what I always say is in the playoffs, you can think you're a big favorite or big underdog, but it's within that 60-40 spectrum, 55-45. It's, it's within that 10% win, win rate you know, pretty much on what your probabilities are. Doesn't mean you're going to be within that spectrum year to year, smaller sample size, but I mean, they're all pretty contested. So uh, you really just want to get to the finals and have a shot. But if you lose this week, now you're playing for third. And uh, again, I, I mean, just it's a, it's a big buzz kill. Uh, and this is basically the highest leverage week, especially since you have some teams that were on bye. And this is their first playoff game. Uh, you've got some, some teams that won last week to get here. Um, or you've got two-week two-week all plays or total points, things like that, which, which I really like. Uh, I was going through, Katie, a couple of the, the, the where I co-commissioned or, or commissioned leagues that uh, we have a, a rule where there's actually, you know, one that I'm involved in has a home field advantage where, you know, you actually have uh, the, the point per game differential. If you're the higher seed, you get, uh, and I don't know if we talked about this, of like, you know, format twists or whatever uh, in the off season or whenever we did, but um, that you know, home field advantage. If you're the higher seed, then you get uh, that point per game difference. If it's three, if it's eleven, whatever it is, you get that. You know, the week. You know, and, and you can have it the the whole time through the playoffs, or you can have it just you know that first game you play or whatever. Um, but 
I, I, I think that's an interesting twist. And then if the lower seed actually has a higher points per game, you know, that home field advantage is nothing. It just is, you know, it, you're going to play straight up with zero. And I think that's an interesting twist. We've also had somewhere it's, you know, if it's two week total points, a third aspect of that average is going to be your seasonal average. So I think there's a lot of little nuances like th- that you can do like that. I also think, you know, the two week, the two week total points are adding it up is, uh, is a- another way, another basic way to, uh, to just incorporate all these other factors to make it, um, you know, just, just the, the regular season more meaningful, like in the NFL, we know how much of a massive edge it is to have a buy and have home field and things like that. And, and uh, in Dynasty, we're still kind of, you know, working on these little tweaks to be able to do that. And those are a couple that I've seen setting up leagues and oh, like, oh yeah, we do have that, that, that uh, format uh, in this particular league uh, over the last week or two that I just wanted to put out there for folks that might be creating leagues over the next three to four weeks. Anything that can be done to help mitigate that luck factor, I'm all for. And we just had the same discussion last week on Off the Rails podcast where what kind of twist you see in the playoffs that you really like. And I like having that home field advantage. I like having a two-week final so that if you happen to have one bad week, it's not going to destroy you. You still have a chance to have flip it and have a great week. You can change your lineup and be more aggressive. Or if you've had, you're out the gate with a really strong, solid, you know, first week and the other guy is, has to be more aggressive, then maybe you can be a little bit more on the conservative and go for the floor instead of the ceiling type thing. But it, it gives more, more of the strategy and less of the actual bounce of the ball luck kind of thing. Yeah. And, and again, we're not talking about you want to make it so slanted where it's like, and we'll see when the data, data points increase over year over year. But once you get you know, a sample size of maybe 10, 15, 20 league years, whether that's multiple leagues or just you know, a, a few leagues you've seen, that, and, and there should be a tangible difference because you get a 10, 15 point edge in a one game scenario. That's you know those are percentage point differences of 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 a win rate and that's, that's kind of player. yeah that's kind of what you want you know you kind of want that edge I was the better team all year and and one of my gripes is some of these leagues I see in my opinion they don't give enough for like some of them where they you know the entry fees might be high or whatever and it's like really the top points for the entire regular season basically saying you're the best team and you get like fifty bucks you know, a very marginal number. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, like it should be at least the entropy or higher for, for that. And if not, you know, have a, a certain amount, but then have, you know, a, another prize for best regular season record or basically get rewarded for like, for having a buy, you know, the top two teams or top one team or whatever it is, you know, you get, you get a little bit extra just saying, you know, you've come this far, good job, you know, and, and obviously let's have the, the playoffs meaningful and, and, and a strong part of the, the payout structure and all of that. Um, so, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, if we can get them, you know, at least on this front, you know, just more of an edge in the fantasy playoffs in some capacity. Like you said, a two-week sample size or three-week sample size, whatever, you have as the better team, just like the NBA, you know, you you extend beyond one game or two games uh, sample size, all of us, you know, the better team is likely, more likely to win than in a one-game sample size. And if nothing else, again, it helps to mitigate that luck factor, which right. is easier, which is easier to do. Go 13-0 and 0 or 3-0. and 
13, definitely. Yeah, right. No, 13 and 0 or 11 and 2, that's tough to do that every week and to be the the league winner for the season. And then you've got a three-game playoff. You could have one bad game and be done, especially if eight teams out of 12 make the playoffs and you don't even get a first-round bye. I had had one team, and I'm still in. I ended up winning by quite a lot. But eight teams out of 12 made the playoffs, and I had the number one overall. So I got absolutely nothing, no home field advantage, nothing. Yeah, I did end up winning the matchup, and I'm in the semifinals. But still, I shouldn't have to have had to sweat that to risk to risk a down game or you know partial game from a couple players that exit or whatever, or you know just yep. bad touchdown luck that the other guy has that you don't. And yeah, just yeah. And and the other thing I was gonna say, yeah, I'm in a I'm in a 16 team league like that, and basically, yeah, it funnels eight to the playoffs, eight to the toilet bowl, and it's like nobody gets a buy. And I think that does a disservice all around. I mean, I, I get that you. I mean, that feels very redrafty of like, oh, you want everybody playing for as long as possible, you know, as many weeks as you can. Like I've seen, I've seen some leagues where it's like, oh, now we're playing. These two teams are playing for ninth. You know, it's like, what are we doing? Like you're playing all the way through week 16, everybody for minimal purpose here, Um, which I actually think is interesting though. Like some teams play, you know, that, uh, that five, six, you know, the two teams that lose. Uh, in the first round of the playoffs, have them play one more game. And it's like, oh, well, now you're, uh, you know, you're playing for one higher draft spot. I think that's actually kind of interesting um, to, talk, to talk through this. Um, yeah, I, and, and I was going to say that one with no buys, you know, the 16-team league, uh, it's like that's a real turnoff for me that, you know, the no buy weeks and even in the toilet bowl, I mean, come on, give the, give the worst teams an edge uh, for them trying to get an extra draft pick and help them out a little bit. I do want to mention, saw uh, the last 24 hours or so, a trade where no trade deadline. We've talked, you know, pro and cons before about having no trade deadline at all in Dynasty Leagues. And this was uh, applicable to what you mentioned with Mike Davis. We saw Mike Davis traded in this one for a Devi player and a, you know, rookie Devi option pick next year uh, where, does you know, a team that maybe they were in it, maybe they aren't in it now, I can't remember, uh, but they had an extra opportunity to trade Mike Davis. And now with the prospect, you know, that he's going to get another start, another two starts for the team that is trading for Mike Davis. Uh, again, this is this is called a pro. This is called a win-win uh, where it benefits, you know, yes, it benefits the team trading for Mike Davis. They're buying him for a specific reason. They've gotten all the way here and now they want to add you know, someone of his, his caliber, but it also benefits the team that you get to January. Mike Davis goes for half or less. I would guess a third of the price. I, that, I'd say he probably doesn't go for much. If anything, you got to drop him. Maybe the time. player, I was going to say, maybe the player without the pick, you know, like, and, and, and so this really benefits the team looking towards next year, being able to trade a player that. In, in a few weeks is going to have a lot less cachet because he's a free agent. I mean, where's he going to land? You know, I mean, what's the odds that he's in a primary backup situation and benefits like he has to get all the way to the fantasy playoffs next year? So I just wanted to point that, that one data point out from one of our leagues. Yeah, I saw him go in, a, in another one of my leagues where there is no trade deadline, just straight up for a third round rookie pick. And again, it was a win-win for both teams. Um, is there any player that the p- last couple weeks, we actually talked about a few for some of our lineups uh, before we started recording, but is there, is there a bigger name or is there maybe a middle of the road name that might be considerations for, for folks that 
that you are just not trusting, whether it's the offense, whether it's the player, whether it's the, the usage, the situation that you're like, you know, break ties away. Cause you always talk about, you know, who got you there? Who, who do you trust? Who could you live with if you lose and they are on your bench or in your lineup going big or small? Um, that, that maybe is a bigger name that you say, I have a lot of trepidation about actually clicking submit with them in my lineup. Yeah, anybody that's just coming off an injury like Antonio Gibson, even though he's been very solid the second to play half this of the week. season. What's that? If he were to play this week. If he's going to play, right. And yeah. there's still that question. Um, even Brandon Cooks, uh, Austin Hooper, guys yeah. that in, in the last week or two. David have, Johnson. David Johnson, yes. I, thank you. He was the other one I was thinking of. Uh, I, I wouldn't trust him. That offense has been so all over the place anyway. You don't know what to expect. But, yeah, there's certain guys where you just are cringing, hoping that they're not a decision that you've got to make. Right. It's almost like a last man standing. And the one exception I would make is, especially with someone like Antonio Gibson. Now, I don't expect this to be the case. But let's say he plays week 15, you have him on your bench, and you are – you know, you know, positive about what you see, then you might have more confidence in week 16. Now with this toe, this is, this is, it's tricky. So he has the type that recurrence is moderate or high level when he plays. Therefore uh, it's going to be, don't be surprised if he gets in two drop, you know, maybe he plays week 15 shows some promise, you know, bigger committee than you're used to. And you're like, all right, now I'm going to fire him up in week 16 and he plays two drives and re-aggravates and he's gone. Like that is more likely with his profile for these final two weeks than other players that don't have that, that risk factor, which, which and, is an important one to notate. And in week 15, he's up against the Seahawks and their number four overall rushing defense. Right. So that with the toe, um, it, it just makes me have a lot of pause whether I, I'm going to break ties in the other direction more than likely. Okay. Um, and so a player that has been gaining a lot of steam, Cam Akers. Yes. What is your, so last week he goes for, what was it, almost 200 yards and pretty much did everything but catch five passes or find the end zone. Um, is he one that despite how basically two-thirds of the, of the season has gone for him, is he one where you say, this is, you know, this is the trajectory you hope a rookie running back is on that they are peaking late in the season. The Nick Chubb factor, you know, later than Nick Chubb, but you say where now you get to the fantasy playoffs and all of a sudden you have someone you weren't starting a month or two ago, but now you feel more comfortable. Is your confidence high with someone like Cam Akers going into pivotal weeks, uh, even if he wasn't in your lineup last week? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, he's playing the Jets in week 15. Then he's got a tough matchup in 16 against the Seahawks, but uh, you got to get through 15 first, and I would absolutely put him in. I'd put him in over Antonio Gibson very easily without right. any question, uh, and some of these other guys that are dinged up a little bit for sure. Okay, and other rookie running backs, Jake. I guess you know Swift. You're probably putting in. Feel pretty comfortable there. Um, yeah. Is J.K. Dobbins one where you say? man, this is messy. He doesn't get the receiving work. Uh, they do have Jacksonville. Now, I don't even know if that's considered good news or bad news because that might mean you know, that 
it's it's I'm not gonna say Justice Hill, but I mean it could be any of them getting more work later in the game if they are up big, uh, as you would expect against Jacksonville. Is that do you, does that play a part for you, or, or do you say, hey, if the upside is there, and I guess that's a conversation point with J.K. Dobbins as well, really hasn't popped off, and a lot of that has just been usage, receiving work, and and they they mix it around. Uh, so where do you stand on Dobbins? Yeah, it, Dobbins would it would depend on who else that I've got on my roster. I would definitely start Dobbins over Antonio Gibson, right. uh, since we're using him as a benchmark. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I would I would you know Acres over Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, any of those guys over Dobbins. Uh, but if he was my fourth or fifth, and I had to decide between like Jerry Judy or Dobbins, I would probably go Dobbins. Um, Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing I thought was interesting is the, I, I think I saw four or five or six rookie running backs in the top 15 over the last month uh, in points per game. I mean, that's where we're headed, you know, for a strong class. Um, in retrospect, you know, rookie draft wise, I, I don't know if we, if we hit on this a few weeks ago, was that, is there a player? I mean, James Robinson is maybe low hanging fruit there, but I mean, is there something where within tiers you say, this has been something with, with a specific player I did not expect, you know, that, that I am pleasantly surprised or I've been a little disappointed from what I've seen so far incomplete, you know, grade, but uh, with what, what we have. The only disappointment from, I mean, this is a very deep, very good class. Yeah. And I would have been disappointed if I would have taken Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, he started hot, but then has faded and, uh, but the one that's the biggest disappointment, A.J. Dillon, not getting any shot. And right. um, we haven't seen hiding or hair of him, and that's because Jones and Jamal Williams have both been healthy and they've both been doing the job. So yeah. there's no real point in that. But um, I wasn't all that high on Keyshawn Vaughn. He was going so high. I'm sure he was a big disappointment to a lot of people, but – I had tempered expectations of him. Well, especially anyway. when Leonard Fournette was added. I think before Leonard Fournette was added, again, you would expect him to be the number two guy, you know, or grow into that and be an injury away. Did you trust Ronald Jones to stay healthy or not fumble or, or drop the, you know, drop the role away. Um, but, but yeah, the, once they started adding people, LaShawn McCoy as well, I mean, just, man, it just, it felt like piling on, right? I mean, where a, a contending team goes, oh, Leonard Fournette's available. Like, yes, let's add that. You know, they're creating this uh, all-star, you know, name squad on Tampa Bay to put together this year. And, uh, and yeah, Keyshawn Vaughn, not really a part of that. I want to ask you about Dylan, though. Um, is he going to be one that, I mean, not getting a sniff, really? I mean, I think we got one game where he had some decent usage where you got to see him a little bit. Um, but the health uh, of both guys in front of him, it, so we have we have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, both free agents. What do you think is the odds on if you were, you were the Vegas, you were the Vegas house and you were setting odds. So what percent chance is Aaron Jones back with a contract for the Packers next year? And what percent chance do you think Jamal Williams is back? I'd say 25% Aaron Jones. And I'd say probably 51% Jamal okay. Williams. Okay. And so under that premise, it's Williams, it's Dylan. Week one starter is? I think it would be a tag team. Okay. Just full on, full on RBBC. Okay. Yep. All right. And that's. I think Dylan would, I think Dylan would be more of the, 
every you know first and second down back and Jamal Williams would be a third down. Okay. Yeah. I, and what I just want to remind folks, because I, I think Dylan is, you know, for, for UTH listening and drafting audience, just situation wise, the fact that you didn't get, you know, a month where Aaron Jones was out or something, and you really got a chance to, to see him in one of those 1A, 1B type roles for even a cross section uh, so far. And I just continue to think that, so you're drafting, you were drafting him not based on situation, obviously, initial landing spot and opportunity and those things. But if you draft a running back round two, thinking as the Packers, but then you're going to pay Aaron Jones a substantial amount of money the next offseason, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Those things d- don't align. And so that's going to be the most interesting thing is if they sign Aaron Jones and you put low odds of that, you know, you don't expect that. And I, you know, I think we've discussed this before. Jamal Williams is going to cost a fraction of, of Aaron Jones if they want to bring him back. Um, so that to me seems like the most prudent uh, decision-making uh, alignment there for, uh, for those two, those two players contract wise. And I, I just don't, but you're drafting again, Dylan, like a, uh, James Conner would be an example of, you know, behind an incumbent uh, w- initially, but one that you typically, like like Damon Harris, I was saying it, I mean, you typically don't go two straight years without getting a full-fledged, oh, you're the starter now sort of opportunity. It's so rare uh, with spending that type of capital uh, day two or higher for a running back and not being pretty much anointed, whether it's injury or otherwise, for a good chunk of a season within your first two years to either prove or disprove that you can or cannot do it. Um, so that would really surprise me. Damon Harris didn't go two years. You know, it looked very ambiguous at the start of this year, but Sony Michelle being out and we saw a, a pretty big opportunity uh, didn't come through with big numbers uh, with, with touchdowns or, or receptions, but uh, we did see enough to say, you know, to, to, be able to pass some judgment on all those Harris shares of saying, well, what do we have here or what does this point to? All right, let's do a quick uh, UTH best ball contest update here. And uh, Katie continues her edge and I almost want to declare it at this point. I mean, yes, Katie's going to downplay it a little bit. She's going to say there's two weeks to go. Anything could happen. Um, You've got a pretty substantial edge. I have the number two position and a, uh, a little more than marginal edge uh, for that number two spot. Um, but I did want to uh, say that the, the top finisher of the week, we have uh, old school, and I'm trying to think who that is offhand. This is why I tell people not to change their name. Gavin, there we go. Uh, Gavin with the top finish of the week. Got Derek Carr, got Matt Stafford, and uh, we'll see if he has Matt Stafford this week. That's going to be one of the watches, especially in Superflex. Uh, if Stafford's able to play, Chase, Chase Daniel could be a nice streaming start. But uh, gets the monster game from Jonathan Taylor. Chris Carson's back and healthy, as well as Austin Eckler for him. We already mentioned about Damian Harris, James Robinson in this episode. And uh, Marcus Valdez-Scanling, we got a sighting this past week, and Gavin was able to benefit, as well as TJ Hawkinson, having a very nice breakout season. So perfect storm and uh, Gavin taking it home with the week 14 title in the contest. So what do you think about your chances, Katie? I think that you letting me have 24 points this week just solidified <laughs> it. I, I Well, you had Lamar think... Jackson or something, right? You had somebody yeah, on Monday night. I had Lamar so that, Jackson and Kareem Hunt 
Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, I, I was almost done with players, I think, and you just you were able to roll up what could have been relatively even, like you said, you went plus twenty four. So I would put you as a eighty something. It's almost hundred points. It's like ninety yeah. uh, six points yeah. and only and one team one team outscoring you like yeah, I mean a, a team outscoring you by like fifty, seventy both weeks. Is, is going to be what's required, which is a taller... Actually, let's move it up. Let's say 91% chance you win. All right. Um, any final so, thoughts, Katie? Uh, similar players. What's that? <laughs> any final thoughts going into week 15? We discussed a lot about lineups, and I would love the one or two bullet points you always have as great reminders this time of year about setting lineups and about your philosophy as a dynasty owner and a starting lineup adjuster. Yeah, again, uh, everybody has different philosophies. What's worked well for me is set it and don't overthink it. Don't go back and relook at it a hundred times. Set it for Thursday night, relook at it Sunday. If any injuries, if you need to make any adjustments, uh, some people do like to make adjustments in between after the first game to see how far they're behind and if they need to make up some ground. And I'm okay with that. If, if that's your philosophy and the way that you want to do it, but you should I've, almost know that in advance though, right? You should know in this league, man, if I'm, if I'm, if I know I'm down big, I'm going to pivot from this to this, right? It, it shouldn't so, really be a three o'clock on, you know, three thirty on Sunday sort of decision. And I do want to remind folks we have Saturday games. So you, you, right. you probably have to give a little look, see obviously Thursday, full set, uh, Saturday, little, little look, you know, little make sure about injuries and then Sunday, same thing. Right. And I like to have, as I mentioned before, if I've got a guy that's questionable in the three o'clock later time slot, I want to have at least another option in that same or later, maybe Sunday night game or Monday night game that if I have to pivot to, I've got a good trustworthy pivot. Um, and, and oftentimes I will, not put the questionable guy in my lineup and I'll switch him back in if he is a go as opposed to the other way around. Cause just in case you get busy, just in case something happens <laughs> yeah. and you can't get back to change the lineup, you've at least got the other guy. If that guy is out and instead of the other way around. And uh, so those are just things that I, that I do. And I, I still don't like to use the Monday night game unless I've got two players in that Monday night game that are again, both reliable, something that I can plug in if something happens where they can't go. Yeah. You COVID, love it. With COVID, it could be a game time knock. Yeah. And this week you saw, I mean, if you have the hammer on, on Monday night, you get the right shootout. Obviously it can just be, you know, icing that, that puts you over the top, you know, and almost no lead is, is safe as a game like that gets rolling. However, as you're mentioning, whether it's COVID, whether it's a late scratch, whether it's anything, if you have no outs with a player on Sunday night or Monday night, and they're not the by far superior option, you know, you know, that, that is very risky, you know, because you're playing a good, good team. You can say that maybe you're the favorite. You can say that I have the advantage here, but uh, to say that you can go with a couple scores lower than five and, and that you, you still feel pretty good, uh, you know, you want to have every edge and every full player participation you possibly can. You can't prevent, you know, a player going out in the first quarter with an injury and not returning, but uh, we've already talked about Antonio Gibson 
being someone to shy away from, uh, situations like that really, really have pause about going into a known situation where you're like, I could definitely see, and this, we already have tea leaves of this, of a partial game because you want to get 60 minutes and have the highest probability of that across your entire lineup you possibly can because these matchups can come down to it. And maybe it's not in one league. You know, I mean, most matchups are not overly close, but you don't know which ones they are. That's the important part. You know, you don't know which way the touchdowns are going to go any given week. And the partial games, you really can't afford against other good teams. If you got a couple duds in your lineup, and if you can prevent those from being a, a missed game because of, well, they were, you know, sort of limited going into it. And I really did have a pivot. I didn't, I didn't exercise it. And now the, the player's out after the first drive. That's kind of on you. So just keep that in mind. And you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. I think Jordan actually shared to us, you know, we've all had these years where we stink in the playoffs. We all have these, these years where things go our way uh, more than they probably should or we thought, you know, and, and just look across your leagues. I'm sure not every team in the final four, you, you know, you, one or two of them might be productive struggle teams. You know, you're like, oh, well, here I am, chip in a chair, let's do this. So that could be a team that takes it down by having a magical run or you just get the right matchups. But uh, again, the, as the sample size grows, just take every win as they come because um, you're going you're gonna to go sub 500 in the playoffs some years and sometimes dreadfully so. And sometimes you're going to run it with 75% win rate and things like that. So um, that's why we always talk about a portfolio approach. And that also has to go with your emotions and your mindset because uh, you can't really pin it on one particular league and go, this is it. You know, I got to win this one. It's my big money league. It's my... It's, it's a league and it's a data point just like all the rest. So unfortunately, that's the way it goes. You can't pick and choose. Well, I, I want to win this one over my buddies and then this other one, it's okay if I lose it against you know, a bunch of strangers I don't know. All right, uh, so that'll do it this week. Reminder, uh, become a general manager subscriber at uthdynasty.com. All the premium audio content. You're not going to want to miss 2021 NFL and rookie draft and startup draft season upon us in a matter of weeks here. And... Uh, Again, patreon.com slash UTH where you can find Tim Torch and myself, a bunch of bonus content uh, talking waiver wire for now as well as uh, future content talking about how to have your best dynasty year yet. She is Katie Flower at FF underscore Skyler 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.